Reinvent your home. Open your eyes to new possibilities and your mind to smarter ways of doing things. You'll find them at The Home Depot, where the next generation of home improvement makes its home. The Home Depot. More saving. More doing. There's no other race quite like this one. It's such an amazing thing to see all these people just running down the street all at the same time. 60,000 runners. Running releases a lot of endorphins. It's euphoric. 3,500 volunteers. And it's just fun high-fiving all the people when they run by. 6.2 miles. I'm not too concerned about being the first in. I just don't want to be the last one. All on the 4th of July. I'm there every year. Let's get you ready. This is the Peachtree Podcast. The official podcast of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Well, thanks for joining us here again on the Peachtree Podcast with Jay Holder of Atlanta Track Club. I'm Jennifer Perry, getting you ready for Atlanta's July 4th tradition here every week in the lead up to the biggest race of the year for a lot of runners out there. And this year is big for a number of reasons, Jay. That includes the 10K Championship too, right? Yeah, we're really excited that the U.S. 10 Kilometer Championships is, is coming back to Atlanta. It was last year in 2014. It always brings out the the best of the best American distance runners. Um, and, and this year coming off a, a great Olympic cycle in Rio last year, we're going to have a lot of a lot of uh, contenders for the U.S. team that that made that trip to Rio um, and are going to be here looking to win a national title. So it's, it's always exciting to have that national championship on the 4th of July. There's just uh-huh. something special about that. Um, so that's, you know, we're really excited to see how the field develops as we as we add more runners who commit to this race. We're going to have some big names coming up on today's show. I mean, some of the best of the best, including Bernard Lagat. He's participating this year in the championship, right? Yeah, Bernard Lagat's running his third ever 10K on the roads and his first 10K on the roads in the United States. He holds the U.S. A tied for the U.S. record at 10K at 27.48. Um, and he just ran 10K uh, last month in Manchester and ran just a shade over 28 minutes. He's perhaps one of the most decorated distance runners of all time. Mm. And at 42, he doesn't seem to be slowing down at all and will really be making a run for, for the win. I think some of us who are aging a little bit, we might pick up some tips from Bernard today on yeah, the show. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember years ago, reading a headline that said Bernard Lagat's not done yet. Yeah. Uh, and here we are in 2017 and Bernard Lagat's not done yet. I love his story. So looking forward to hearing from him in just a moment here on the Peachtree Podcast today. But also we're going to get some of the secrets from the past winners, how they've navigated this course and some of the tips that could apply to us who consider ourselves average runners. Yeah. So last time we had this uh, held this championship in 2014, uh, Amy Craig and Christo Landry were our winners, both uh, really accomplished distance runners. Amy represented the U.S. U.S. in the Olympics in Rio and the marathon. Uh, she won the U.S. marathon championships last year. Christo's the U.S. 15K champion, uh, was, a, was a standout runner at William & Mary. Uh, so both of them really know this race. They really know running. And as you said, there are a lot of things that elite athletes do that are applicable to every one of us in that field on July 4th. And I'm looking forward to to the tips from Bridget Lyons, Kirbal Arasa as well on the heat and the hills. Those are some of the major challenges for runners today. So we're going to pick their brains and actually get some tips on how to navigate this course from those who've been there and done that. Yeah, Bridget and Kirabel, both runners for Atlanta Track Club's elite team. Uh, I think there is a, a bit of a home field advantage when you train on the hills and the humidity of Atlanta year round and then you come and run a race in your backyard. They'll both be competing for the U.S. championships. We're going to talk to them today from Flagstaff where they are training at altitude right now. We'll talk about why that's beneficial for a distance runner uh, and what they're doing to prepare to be in the lead pack on the 4th. So a lot coming up here on today's show. Let's welcome in our first guest, though. And if you know running at all, you know this name. It's Bernard Lagat. 
So we're looking forward to, to having you here this year. And it's hard to believe after such a, an incredibly successful career that this is only your fourth road 10K. And, and am I correct saying this is your first road 10K in the U.S.? This is going to be my first one in the U.S., yes. And my third overall. Third overall. And your second was just this past weekend at the, uh, well, this past weekend as a recording time. The, the Great Manchester. The Great yes. Manchester. And, and it, was a, it was quite the race. Walk me through that last kilometer where, where you and Dathan were, were battling it out. <laughs> you know, the thing is, we started strong, actually. He pushed, the, he pushed from the beginning. So Dathan went for it. And then, but for me, I was like, I don't know how to really lead in a 10K like this. So I, I have to go with the crowd. So I went with the guys. And then one by one, the few guys dropped as, uh, as Dathan just kept pushing it. And then basically the last, I'll say, three kilometers, it was only me and him. And then we passed, you know, nine kilometers together. And then once we hit that half, like, you know, they even had 800 meters to go. That is when it started going and I couldn't respond to, you know, that, that's when it made that break away. But overall, you know, I was uh, quite happy with the, with the finish. Uh, running 28-13 was not too bad, even though, you know, I wanted to I wanted to win. But I gave myself a chance. I went for it, followed Dayton all the way and, you know, came up uh, a little short. But uh, that keeps me hungry. Yeah, and a performance like that five weeks out from Peachtree, I think that bodes well for you. Um, I imagine there's some, oh, some sharpening you can do. And if and if Dathan happens to be on the line again <laughs> on July 4th, I, I, I feel like uh, you might be able to cover that move. Yes, as a matter of fact, I think this one was necessary, uh, especially to you know set me up for Peachtree because I needed something. I needed a big race, especially over the 10K. I needed that because you know, I don't want to do something small like 5K and then later on start going on to the 10K. So the good thing is now the first 10K is gone. It was successful in my view. And the feeling that I got out of it is that there's a few things that I need to change in terms of training. And then by the time I get to Atlanta, I'll be ready. It's exciting. It's been a busy spring for you. I, uh, before Manchester, I know you were over there pacing the the breaking two-hour attempt. That looked right. like an incredible experience. Uh, t- tell me more about that and, and how many miles you actually logged as part of that attempt. When Nike uh, came up with the idea, they asked me if I would be um, willing to go and help out with the pacing. And I said, yes, uh, by all means, uh, I'm going to be you know, if I can help, I'm happy to do that, especially, you know, having, you know, the strongest athletes ready to run under two. I said, you know what, I don't mind being part of it. And then also I looked at it that it was also going to set me up for a good 10K. So going to Monza, it was amazing, you know, getting there and meeting all these athletes that really do road racing only. It was amazing atmosphere. And then it was the way it was organized. It was so great. And everybody was really in good mood and the athletes that were pacing were there to basically do the job and they gave 100% of their effort. So what I did was uh, we tried to do a few longer training, uh, getting prepared for that and then some hard tempo runs, longer tempo runs with Steven Sample uh, because Steven is a long distance guy really to begin with and so when I needed training to prepare me for the uh, 5K times two at the breaking two, I wanted to make sure that I trained with the guy that he's good. And so Coach Lee put me together with him and we trained all the way. So at the breaking two itself, I ran only two legs of it. So 
5K or it was, let's say, 4.8 and then rest and then do another one, that last one with Elliot when he was coming to the finish. So you were there, you were there at the end when it was oh so close. Was there ever any feeling as you as you got in that last kilometer that it just might happen? Yes. Um, when we started joining in uh, that last cycle, it was after just after the 35th kilometer. And I thought, okay, you know, there's a chance, there's a chance, so let's keep going. And we started following the pace, like the way we were uh, at the beginning. But then the reality is the car was going a bit, I mean, it was distancing away from us, the lead vehicle, which was supposed to be going at the pace of two flat or just a little under. And then as you look at that and the work he has done and the way he was feeling his face, and now, you know, he was still determined but at some point, you know, hey, you know what, this possibility. But then again, as you, we went towards that second lap, that last one, you, I realized, oof, I guess at this point, we have to help him just get close to it. And, you know, at that point in my, in, in my view, I was thinking, well, when we joined in, it was about 10 seconds. And we wanted to see if we can help him at least to not go past 201, uh, to still stay at two flat. And he did a good job. As a matter of fact, once we came out, I think it was just basically 300 meters to go or 200 meters to go. He started actually picking up and he picked up some time there. So I was quite pleased by that. And it was an amazing experience to be part of. Yeah. Two hours and, and 25 is pretty oh. incredible. <laughs> um, what's the pressure <laughs> oh like compared God. to when you're, you're on the line and you're about to run your own race versus trying to help somebody accomplish something so incredible? Is, is the pressure similar that you're feeling as a runner? You know, it is, uh, certainly I felt like there was a lot more pressure for me because I really want to help him. Especially, you know, really, all I can do is just run well so I can help this guy break it. And to me, it seems like there was a lot of pressure. I was like tense and I was, but my head was saying, you know, I'm going to go all out if I have to so I can help him. And at some point, even we were thinking, when we were getting ready, I mean, okay, if he starts to basically try to pass us, we are going to go all out also so we can help again more. You know, at that point, you're preparing yourself for something unknown. But in reality, what he was doing was, it was amazing. Was, what he did was the hardest thing I think I've ever seen anybody do. And so to me, even that adds to that pressure that you want to see him succeed and you want to help the best you can. But then when it's my own race, I know I've been preparing for it. It is 6.2. I'm going to go stay with the plan. No panic. As a matter of fact, the more I run relaxed, the more successful I think I'll end up becoming. I know that, that Peachtree has been a long time coming for you. We've, of course, at Atlanta, Atlanta Track Club, we wanted to see you on that starting line for a long time. And, and we're thrilled that you're yes. going to be there this year. And uh, I know that all the fans here are excited. It seems to me, watching you run in New York several times at the Fifth Avenue Mile and, and, and watching you at, at track meets and at the Armory and in Boston... The fans go where you go, cheering that that name that everybody yes. calls you by. As everybody calls you Kip, are you ex- yes. are you expecting that following to, to be out in force on July fourth in Atlanta? Absolutely, yes. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, there's so many people that have told me, "Man, I'm coming." You know, I send out that tweet, and people are saying, "You know, we can't wait to come and see you." And I've been lucky, really, because I I really love my fans, and I love the fact that they support me and. They really support me in the work that I do. I always say, you know what, think about somebody who works in in an office and then you've got people like cheering you to do your work. It doesn't happen like that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're lining up with thousands of people who uh, some of them have jobs, but they are doing this for fun. 
So, and I'm doing this for like my real job. This is it for me. And so when I see all these people coming to do the work that I love doing and supporting us, even the ones who are basically lining up along the course to just cheer and say, go Bernard, go Bernard. I was listening to so many people, you know, whenever I run in, uh, you know, be it uh, New York, Boston and Manchester, people are always there to, to, you know, to cheer you up and, I'm looking forward to that, and I think the streets of uh, Peachtree. This is an this, this is a historic event too. So I think for me, I'm looking forward for the fun of it and just giving my best. And I know the people along the road will be helping me out to uh, to achieve my goal. And I know you're expecting it. just from conversations that I know you've had with some other folks here in the organization. You 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 expect to win. Oh yes, I uh, even you know I was telling uh, I was telling Barbara I want to come and win because the thing is. First of all, I need to, you know, it is the appreciation to the people that invited me because they didn't invite me to just just show my face. They invited me so I can do my job. And so it's my obligation as well to come over there, not to be just a participant, but I want to be that winner. I want to win, I want to win for my first try at the Peachtree. And that is, the, you know, that's what I told Rick. And, and he's certainly the guy that I've always, uh, you know, known for a long time. And I'm happy to come and, uh, and run and eat meet uh, Rick and I. So it is amazing that, uh, you, know, you know, I got invited and they really went for it. They said, Bernard, we'd love to have you. And I want to give them something back too for doing that. For those who are listening who don't know, Bernard, you're a five-time Olympian. You've got 13 world championship medals. And, and at 42, it's this is a new chapter of your career, really dedicated to the roads. And it's, I think by anybody's standard, it's, it's, it's going well. You tied the American record at 10K in 2748. Uh, tell me yeah. a little bit about the difference between running a, you know, 12 and a half laps on the track for 5K and, and running, you know, 3.1 to 6.2 to even half marathon distance right. on the road. What's the difference uh, in your training? For me, um, the training is only, I mean, so the difference in training, but then the focus and the attention that I give to each race is the same. So when I'm in the track, all I needed to know is I need to train really good so that I can run against some of the young guys that are new. Some of them have been there. And it is a, it's a challenge that I've been facing ever since. But then when it comes to road racing, on the other hand, is like the new challenge that I'm starting to really experience. And when I started going to the road races, like when I ran in uh, San Diego, um, the Carlsbad, and then I went to Susu, and then, and then the New York uh, Fifth Avenue, it is, it's kind of, it's different from the track in the sense that you really don't feel like there's so much pressure because I guess I always think track as my only sport really. But then road racing, well, I was looking at road racing and road racers are different kind of people. You know, they, these guys, man, they go crazy in those mileage. I don't even understand how they run, you know, 42 kilometers going, running so hard like that. But in the end, I'm actually one of them now. And the... I opener was when I was in Monza with so many of them. As a matter of fact, it was just only the two track athletes who had no history of running on the road that were there. And for the two of us, we were looking was like, wow, this is pretty cool to be amongst these guys. They are fun. They are, I mean, young. Some of them, they have seen me for a long time on the track. And now we're like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I love it. This is my next chapter. And those are the things that kind of makes my 
transition into road racing really fun for me. So I'm having a lot of fun, especially at these later stages of my running career. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I still, having watched you for a long time, you're just as exciting to watch now as, as you were in the, the, the earlier parts of your career. And as I mentioned, that, that record at 2748, the Peachtree course record is 2704. Right. Can you sniff wow. it? <laughs> <laughs> that is quick. <laughs> <laughs> it is quick. It stood oh, for a long time. <laughs> Wow. What, which year was it? 1994. Was it? 94. Wow. That makes like, you know, the, the, the winning times like last year's, what was it? It was like 27, I mean, 28. Yeah, I think it was 28 low. I don't have something. it off the top of my head, but it's a, yeah. it's Gabriel guy who's who's gone on a tear and, and just won Boulder Boulder this past weekend. So Ooh, big wow. things okay. happen for Peachtree winners, <laughs> I, I've noticed. Is, 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 is he there? He's not. He's Tanzanian. So this is a U.S. championship. So he won't be there this year. He surprised Ooh, us all last year. Nobody. He wasn't even in the pre-race favorites. And he came around that corner and we were all like, who's this guy? <laughs> and uh, he's, right. he's, he was oh, 19 years okay. old when he won so, last year. Wow. But he's so strong. If you want Boulder Boulder, I was talking to Abdi and he was telling me, yeah, you know, he didn't have a good day, but he was uh, telling me that uh, there was a winner, a guy from Tanzania. Oh, that was him. Okay. Well, I know Abdi, you, you bring up Ab- Abdi Abdi Rachman, uh, top American at Peachtree last year. And and you you yes. guys trained together, right? Absolutely. Yep. That's my boy. Has he given you any tips on the course? Yes. He told me, uh, you know, what? I, one thing I know about Abdi is that Abdi don't, he doesn't like downhill. <laughs> and he was telling me, you know, there's a few, there's a few downhills a little bit. And so, and I know that he doesn't like, but then when he tells me that a few downhills, I'm like, all right, that's, that's not bad. That's <laughs> good. <laughs> so he's telling me a little bit about that. But uh, Abdi was telling me, you know, just, you know, if the weather is nice, if it's not too humid, you can do a good job. So I basically rely on that. But there's also something, I mean, there's nothing you can do. You know, you have to go with the flow. And it, depending on, it depends on how the day is. If it's going to be cool and kind of less humidity, that's fine. If it is hot and humid, we, we can't stop. We have to do the best we can. If I were a betting man, I'd go with hot and, and humid. <laughs> knowing knowing yep. Atlanta yep. In, in July, how do you replicate that in, in Tucson where it's certainly hot, but maybe not always humid? Over here, we have the dry heat, but there's really nothing you can do because we don't have the humidity. Really, I could go out there, run, and then I hardly sweat. But then if it's hot and humid, which I'm not used to it, you know, I can only train in a hot area here like this. But then really it might be even counterproductive when I'm in a race where there's a lot of humidity. So I guess the thing is just to keep training hard. You know, I think for me is train hard. And then with the other factors coming to affect you, you are still strong. You have the good foundation. And with that preparation will actually get you through the finish line you can be hurting at the end you would be like really hot but at the end you're finishing you already finished 6.2 you know feeling all right but that is the stuff i don't worry about and uh, it will take care of itself i want to talk about some of the people you're going to be lining up next to and we talked about abdi and you know uh, guys like like jared ward and christo landry and, and just the best of the best of american distance runners and yeah, since, absolutely since you've been running as a u.s citizen in 2005 it seems to the track and field fan that american distance running has gotten better um and i think there are numbers to back that up but what what do you attribute that to that that rise in in production productivity for american runners over the past 12 years yes i attribute that to a few factors one of them is when the new athletes, like they, they, there was a new crop of athletes that came out in 19, I would say, sorry, in, in let's say early 2000s. 
and then we because we had people like Ryan Hall and we had Peyton Ritzenhine, we had so many I mean Mepke, Plesky, Abdi. And I think that around that time people actually thought we can be better in the world. That we don't only settle with being good only or, or even just like good enough probably in the country. You know, people were like, you know, I, I could be the number one American, but at the end, when you look at the world list, I'm, I'm down there. So I think that is something that kind of, there was like a sudden awakening, which was pretty good, whereby athletes were thinking we can be the best in the world. We cannot just, I mean, give in like, oh, we have the Ethiopians and the Kenyans already in the line. Oh, by the way, how are we going to compete with these guys? We have Bekele, you know, he's going to shine. Who's going to come second? I guess maybe another Kenyan or another Ethiopian. So all that I could see was changing. And then suddenly we had amazing athletes like Ryan Hall, that was an example, you know, who came and basically people were like, oh, we can do this. And then also I just came in into the mix in the 1500, uh, 3000 meters, 5000 meters, and just running, you know, 3, 329 uh, for American record. Uh, the athletes who were running 1500 believe that we can do this. Uh, Alan Webb was like, you know, I'm going to be the number one in the world. If I can beat Bernard, the chances of being the best in the world is actually high. He challenged me. He beat me a couple of times. And guess what? You think the times that he ran. So it, there was a lot of things that happened. And I don't attribute that to only one thing. But I think it is mostly the mentality of the athlete and how actually believing that they can be the best in the world. Mm-hmm. And then I guess also training kind of changed because you can be the best in the world if you are not training like the best in the world. Right. So I, w- I want to talk about yes. your rise. You've gone you've gone from 1500 to 3k to 5k to now 10k on the roads i know you've flirted with the half marathon is 10k <laughs> where you're going to level out or, or do you plan to to go for some of the longer distances you know i tried the half marathon in new york i think maybe about four or five years ago mm-hmm. and for some reason it didn't hurt and i'm still repeating that word that was the first interview i gave out and i said i thought it was going to hurt more than it did so mm-hmm. it didn't hurt as bad so i think i might do it again then, you know, I went to the 10K in 2015. And then again, I came back again from the race. And I'm like, I thought it was going to hurt bad, but I actually wasn't. So, and I'm starting to feel like, oh, I guess if you prepare really well and you're really going into the race, really the, the chances of you burning out in there is kind of not that much. So the preparation is important. It's the key. Train hard and know that you're going to be facing competition. So whenever you're going in there, and I tell myself, is to have the mind that knows it's going to be tough, it's not going to be easy, but give your best and then analyze it later. So all my analysis after the fact is the fact is that wasn't bad after all. So I want to do another half marathon because uh, I feel like with the training I've been doing with Steven and Abdi, that would set me up for a good half marathon before the end of the year. And I want to do it. I want to do a good job. I want to run better than 62 that I did in New York. We, we have one here on Thanksgiving Day, but, but it's, it's certainly not as flat as, as, the one in New, <laughs> as the one in New York. It's a little hilly, so it might be hard to run 62 on that course. I don't think anybody's come even close. Oh, wow. Okay. So maybe then I'll wait for, uh, to do that one for fun. Right. Well, hey, open invitation whenever you want to come and run. We'll, we'll roll out the red carpet for that. Thank you. Uh, what are you looking forward to post-race at Peachtree? Well, um, two things. Uh, one is that excitement if I really come out there, be the first American to cross the finish line. I mean, and that would be amazing. So, I mean, the number one overall winner. To me, that is a dream. And every time I go to races, I always think of there's nothing better and, and, and feel better than just going in there and doing the job I can do better and win it. So 
that is what I'm looking forward to. It would gonna feel great. But then again, if it doesn't happen, I will just cross the line and be thankful of the things that have happened in my life that you know I still have support. My family will be there. That's another incentive to run fast. So these guys are going to be in trouble because I got, you know, my family with me. They will be watching me start and finish. So I would like to see, have my kids, you know, see that uh, finishing in there. So it would be nice. Yeah, another incentive I heard is that, you know, the winner goes and throws the first pitch at the Braves game, you know, that evening. So hmm, it is another thing that is enticing. So we'll see. <laughs> well, uh, we hope to see you on the mound and at the finish line. And I know you know your kids have seen a a lot of a lot of victories from you. We're talking with Bernard Lagat, one of the most decorated American distance runners in history. He's run twenty seven forty eight on the roads, which is not only the American record for ten k, but also the world masters record. Bernard, we're as I said, really excited to have you here on July fourth. Thanks for talking with us. Thank you so much, Jake. Look forward to it. All right, have a good one. Cheers. Time now for this week's Peachtree Podcast training tip. Hello, this is Alvin Tulliamuk, 2017 USA Cross Country and 25K Champion. This week's training tip is to add strides into your running routine. Strides are 20 to 30 second intervals and quick. Easy addition to any run, start at a jog and accelerate to almost your race pace over the course of about 100 meters. You should do between 4 and 6 after an easy run or before a big race. Strides help you loosen your muscles, get your body ready for race pace, and improve your overall running economy. That is this week's training tip. I will see you at the finish line of Atlanta Journal-Constitution Petri Road Race. Hey, what does it mean to taste the feeling of Coca-Cola? It's a cap-twisting, bubbles-fizzing, ice-dripping, refreshing, sipping, moment-stopping, nothing-topping this feeling. Whether it's a workday, a vacation day, or a holiday, any day is a good day for some ice-cold refreshment. So grab a Coke today and taste the feeling. We want to give you some insight from some of the past winners of the AJC Peachtree Road Race, and specifically the U.S. 10K Championship, because uh, Atlanta's hosting this again on July 4th, Jay. So we're actually welcoming in some of the past champions here, the, the last time they were here, right? Yeah, Amy Craig won the uh, won the championship in 2014 uh, when we had it here, and she's joining us on the phone now from Portland, where it's, it's pre-run for you right now, right? <laughs> it is. I'm just enjoying my coffee and my uh, Peachtree mug. <laughs> oh, really? Now, so. <laughs> yeah, appropriate for today. But uh, do you have any pre-race traditions like that or a routine that you go through, Amy? Um, I do have a routine. I, I don't know if I, you'd call it traditions, but it's definitely it involves um, a pretty strict warm up and uh, plyometric drills just to make sure I'm completely warmed up and ready to go. But it also always involves coffee. <laughs> How soon before your run do you do you drink coffee? Oh, just when I wake up in the morning, um, mm-hmm. probably about an hour and a half before I go for my run. Got it. So I know a lot's happened since since 2014 when you won here, but that really kicked off a, an exciting couple of years uh, in your career, uh, tying your marathon PR in Chicago, winning the U.S. title at 15K, and then, of course, going to the Olympics. Tell me just about, I mean, in broad strokes, about the last couple of years and how successful that's been for you. Um, it's been a really fun couple of years. Like, as you said, uh, Petrie kind of kicked it off for me. It was my first title on the road. And then I was able to, the following year, um, back it up with the 15K in Jacksonville. And I, that gave me a lot of confidence going into the trials and competing with those women who have always done so well on the roads. So, yeah, it's been a really exciting couple of years. And, yeah, I'm hoping for some more. <laughs> 
I, I was there in LA when you won the trials, and and I remember that day really well. It was it was warm, and it was. And, and, and you looked great coming across that finish line. I mean, as great as anybody could look after running twenty six point two in those conditions. Did running here in Atlanta sort of? I know it's a lot different ten, running ten k in a marathon, but but did the heat and humidity of July fourth sort of help set the groundwork for preparing for that? In a way, it did. So I actually, because I was doing that race, I started preparing mentally for a really hot race in Peachtree. Um, I actually lucked out and got just a beautiful, kind of a cool year. It was warm, but it wasn't as hot as it normally could be. But it kind of uh, triggered something in me where I started just um, mentally preparing for those hot conditions. And so the next two years, it kind of stuck with me. And uh, yeah, I think it, I think it was a big part of being able to do well in the trials was just taking advantage of those warm runs when I could and trying to really get ready for the heat. I, I want to talk about that race because, and I know you've probably talked about it a, a lot since then, but but it really was teamwork between you and your teammate, Shalane Flanagan, who will be racing here at Peachtree this year. Can you just kind of walk me through the strategy uh, that you two worked through as, as you approached the starting line that day? So we had been training together as teammates up in the mountains, kind of on our own leading into this for months. And so on a daily basis, we just talked about the goal was to both get on that team. Like we both wanted to make that marathon team because we thought we could make a really big impact in Rio, especially if we were able to have a whole another training segment together because she definitely brought the best out in me. And I think I helped her as well leading into the races. So we just talked about it every single day. The goal was to make that team together. So it very much was both going in there and trying to have the best race we could. It did not play out the way we thought it would. Um, We actually were planning on kind of waiting until 10K to go. We're very confident on our speed over the last 10K. So um, just because of the hot weather, we were going to hold back and kind of um, just wait and kick it in. However, there was kind of a crazy breakaway earlier on in the race and we decided to take advantage. We kind of looked at each other and realized that that was a moment to take advantage of. And so we went for it and we were able to put a huge gap on the rest of the field. But of course it's the trials and it's the marathon and anything can happen. So in the last 10K, Shalane actually started really feeling the effects of the heat. She helped me the 10K before that. I kind of went through a rough patch and she said, you know what, I'm here. I'm right next to you. We're just going to keep doing what we're doing. Um, And then I kind of got out of that. And then she started going through a rough patch, but it was more to do with the heat than the marathon. And um, she just started really hurting. She started having heat exhaustion, uh, started slowing down. And we kind of, I just talked to her. I told her I was right there too. Um, I handed her some water and we just ran it in. Like I knew if anyone could be tougher than heat exhaustion, it was Shalane. So I just kind of like kept talking to her and she just brought toughness to the next level on that day because I think anyone else would have stopped. And she actually, she just pushed through and got to the finish line. Um, It's not something I recommend anyone else do, (laughs) Um, but she got there. Um, She got medical attention as soon as she crossed the line. And um, we accomplished our goal of both making the team together. Really, really proving that distance running, despite what people may think is not always an individual sport. It's it's very much a team sport. And you talk about making that impact in Rio. Three American women in the top 10. Shalane was, was sixth, Desi seventh, and, and you were ninth. What an incredible year. Are we seeing a resurgence in American distance running, especially on the women's side? 
I think so. I think our, our coaching techniques are getting better. Um, I think we're figuring out the training and exactly what we need to be doing. We're working a lot harder than we have in the past. I think I think it's just going to keep getting better and better from here. I hope kids see us and they realize it's something that they can do and that we can still get better from where we're at right now. So in another 10 to 20 years, we have even better American distance runners. Well, Amy, I know you've said in recent interviews that uh, you're focused this year on getting faster in the 10K. How does that distance, how does getting faster at a 10K help you with that longer marathon distance? Because I think for a lot of Peachtree runners, we think, okay, we've conquered the 10K, you're ready to move up. So I think your tips could actually help a lot of average runners too. Oh, so um, the reason I went back to the 10K was when I moved up to the marathon, I kind of skipped some of the steps in between. Like I kind of went from the 5K, 10K, a little bit on the track and straight to the marathon. So I should have probably done <laughs> a little bit more of the half marathons and kind of a slower buildup. So this time around after the Olympics, my coach was like, you know what, we're going to go back and we're going to fix some of those problems you have in the race by going back and doing this. Um, so the reason for the 10K is in these professional races, the championship style races, the 10K, whether the first 20 miles are slow or fast or whatever happens in those first 20 miles, the last 10K is always blazing every mm -hmm. single time. So right now I'm in a training segment where I've been doing some half marathons and some trying to do some fast 10K and track work. And that is to prepare me for no matter what happens in the first 20 miles to be ready to go that last 10k so will so the peach tree just, be part of your training this year <laughs> um, i'm not sure about that uh, it's all it's all up to jerry and whether or not it can fit in properly before the world championship marathon but uh I, it's a great event and i would love to do it and you are on that as you said that world championship marathon team can you just kind of give me a little bit um of insight into into what your training will look like in the couple of months before that how are you going to prepare for the conditions at that at that race so in London at that time of year, you don't really know what you could get. So I will be, I'm actually um, in the thick of it right now. I'm really doing some high mileage and starting to do some more marathon type workouts, but I will be doing some altitude training, which altitude can have some similar physiological effects as heat training. So that will hopefully, if it's a really hot day, that'll help with the heat. Uh, yeah, it'll just be um, a pretty typical marathon buildup for me from here on out, just with the, a little bit more mileage than I've done in the past. And um, hopefully the workouts will be a little bit faster too. I know your your training partner, Shalane Flanagan, has battled with an injury all, all winter and spring and she's just starting yeah. to come back now. How has that been? Have you been running on your own? Have you found another, another training partner with uh, Jerry Schumacher's group there to run with? So the really cool thing about being with the Bowerman Track Club is I feel like I never really run alone. Um, I did a big altitude stint earlier in the year, and Emily Enfeld came up there with me. She trained for Jacksonville at the time, so I actually had someone to run with almost every single day. I mean, yeah, we do a lot of running together. Um, however, that being said, I do a lot more mileage than the rest of the girls, except for Shalane. So she has been greatly, greatly missed. And the past month having her back has just been awesome. Like she jumped into the workouts like she didn't miss a beat. And yeah, she's it's been really great having her back. Well, Amy, since you've run across the globe, you've done so many races now, how does the Peachtree course compare? And what do your fellow runners say about it as well? Peachtree's awesome, actually. Uh, so like I said, I got a really amazing year where the weather was mm -hmm. really nice. And um, 
It's a lot of, if you can focus on, I think it's around three miles, the hills kick in. And I think if you can relax and kind of like tuck in for the first three miles and then um, just plan on really pushing up those hills, it can be a really fast course. And um, yeah, that's where you can kind of get some people. Yeah, it's awesome. It's so much fun finishing in the park and um, it's just a great overall experience. You mentioned your mug and, and, and last on last week's episode, we talked about traditions and the top 1000 finishers always get a mug. Mm-hmm. Do you have the t-shirt? <laughs> The Mm t-shirt? I have the mug. (laughs) Oh, we must have missed you. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, as an elite and and finishing first back in 2014, what was that moment like for you? Or or do all these races kind of run together for you after a while, Amy? Oh, no, that was a very special one. Um, The U.S. championship races, like the reason we do this is to win national championships and Mm -hmm. then go compete well on the world level. So winning a national title is is huge for me. And at the time, um, especially that was my first road title and it kind of gave me the confidence to go after the next couple of years and really go after the marathon. And that was a very, very special one. Well, Amy, I think we have to let you get to your run today. Enough coffee over there. But uh, <laughs> okay. Thanks so much for sharing your tips with us here on the Peachtree podcast. Oh, thank you. Yeah. We look forward to seeing you on the world at the world championships and, and maybe at Peachtree on July 4th. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <All right. laughs> thank you. Thanks, Amy. Well, let's welcome another one of those champions who has crossed that finish line into Piedmont Park in first place. The guy who did that in 2014, and that is Crystal Landry, who joins us on the line today from Charlotte. So explain to, to our listeners, you know, there are it's a wide range of listeners from those who, who follow the elite side of the sport, to those who just taking part in this July 4th tradition. Why Charlotte? It's not one of the places a lot of people think of as a hub of distance running. Well, that's easy. It's where my coach came. <laughs> and your coach, of course, so I was, at UNC Charlotte, right? Yes. My coach was previously up at Michigan, and he changed jobs and ended up uh, coaching the distance team at UNC Charlotte. Uh, I had the choice of going someplace where there are lots of runners, a traditional running hub, or coming to Charlotte where my coach is. And I decided that I wanted my coach to be able to watch my workouts, make changes on the fly, see how I am looking during the workouts, what the effort looks like, if I'm grimacing, if I'm running evenly, and be able to adjust workouts based off of what he sees and the visual and audio cues. And thus, I ended up in Charlotte. I lived and trained in, in Charlotte for, for five years, and, and I think it's a, a hidden gem as far as running goes. A lot of great places to run there. And, and when training for something like the AJC Peachtree Road Race, there's not many places that compare well to Atlanta, but, but Charlotte really does. Oh, yeah. I'm looking for a hot day, humid day, sunny day, because that's what I train in uh, day in and day out in Charlotte. So why wouldn't I want something similar that I'm adapted to, that I'm used to, that my opponents may not be? So you, you've had a great history here. In, in, in 2014, you won the AJC Peachtree Road Race when it was the U.S. Championships, and you were part of Team USA the following year. Uh, I know last year was an Olympic cycle. Are, are we going to see you back in 2017? Oh, absolutely. I mean, as much fun as as it has been defending my U.S. championship in the 10K for three straight years, mainly due to it not being held the last two years, I would love to get four in a row. So you are, you're coming into this as the defending U.S. 10K champion. I don't think a lot lot of people knew that since it's been, this will be the third year. Yes. And, uh, you know, maybe it's not the most glorious way to have uh, a three straight year of streak of 
being the 10K road champion, but I'll take it. And um, I would love to be able to win uh, the race a second time and be a four-time defending U.S. champion. However, uh, there is strict competition, as you guys always know. Um, you bring in the best of the best, and it's going to be a very difficult race, uh, if not impossible to win again, but I'm going to do my best. Well, if experience counts for, for anything, you certainly know know the course. What's been your secret, one that you're at least willing to share with uh, any of your competitors who might be listening to, to conquering this course and, and some of its uh, some of its more difficult stretches? I hate hills, specifically <laughs> uphills. Downhills are great. Uphills, not so fun. Whenever I'm running with people in Charlotte or anywhere, if we go up a hill, I'm usually lagging a few steps. And as your listeners may know, there's a hill or two on the course. <laughs> there is. So one thing I try and think of going up the hills around miles four and five are just to focus on the few steps ahead of me. I'm not thinking ahead. I'm not thinking, oh, wow, I've got two more miles of hills. You take it step by step. You stay in contact of the person in front of you and you don't let them gap you. You get a breather about halfway up your two miles of hills, which is very nice to be able to collect yourself, to be able to close that gap, get right next to the person you're racing against. And that's what I've tried to be able to do the last couple times I've raced the course. And it's worked out fairly well for me, even though I hate the uphills and I'm not so great at them. Uh, once you start running through, that's Midtown there, I believe, right mm -hmm. around the five and a half, six mile mark. That's a great visual cue to me because I know I've conquered the uphills and it's time to gather myself and get ready for that screaming downhill finish you guys have. Most people will never experience what it's like to make that turn onto 10th in first place. So can you kind of play out those last thousand meters for, for anybody who wants to live vicariously through, through the eyes of a champion? Well, I haven't experienced it yet either because when I won in 2014, I was following Tyler Pinnell, uh, who did a great job in the following year racing for Team USA as well. So what happened was uh, one guy around the one mile mark absolutely took off. He was flying and that really jump started the race. We uh, broke into a group of maybe six people going down that hill chasing him. And Tyler was, if he wasn't in the lead, he was right behind the leader. Um, we got to the bottom of the hill and Tyler just took off. And that's where I was taking it step by step, not looking ahead, just staying in the moment, trying to stay with him, going up those hills. And he was still leading when we turned the corner through Midtown on the 10th and started going downhill. And at that point, I was a little surprised because I wasn't hurting quite as bad as I expected to hurt with, you know, 600 meters left in the race. And so I decided that, well, you just can't sit back the whole time and you have to make a move. And I knew that there was a little dip on 10th Street going down where it actually goes uphill for a couple steps. And I decided that that's where I was going to make my move. And so when we hit that little dip, I put down the accelerator really hard scuffed the ground and almost fell on my face. <laughs> but I you didn't. Even a picture of that. <laughs> okay. I'll have to go back and find Luckily, that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was also lied to because I was told there was a big banner going across the street and that when I went under that, I'd be 400 meters away. So I was like, hey, great, I can kick for 400 meters. Well, that's right around where the dip is. Right. And now if you watch the movie afterwards, I'm running for a good two minutes after <laughs> that dip, which at those speeds is just under 800 meters. Mm -hmm. So that was, um, I was a surprise I wasn't quite happy with, 
but it turned out all right because when I uh, put my foot down on the gas and went by him, he wasn't able to respond quite quickly enough, and that allowed me to open up a pretty big gap by the time I crossed the finish line. So it's never too late to, to make a move at, at Peachtree. It's not a race where you really have to hammer those first three miles, which are downhill, uh, because you're, you're likely to pay the price in the end. Oh, absolutely. The guy who took off at one mile and flew through those downhills, he probably ran 840 for those two miles. Mm -hmm. And the the even worse part about that was he was running the outside of every turn trying to get away from us. didn't work out for him. He blew up at the bottom of the hill. We passed him. I don't think he even finished in the top 10. I think he's still out there, actually. I I passed him on the way to work this morning. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still crawling up the hills. Uh, so it was the people who relaxed and took the downhills in stride that finished in the top five. And those were the people that were still in contention going up those hills. So you're in Charlotte, which is not quite Atlanta, but it's it's close. It's closer than most of our competitors are uh, are coming from. And does this feel almost like a hometown event for you? It does, because I've been down there so many times. I've seen the Atlanta Track Club people. Uh, in many different events, not only in the races, and it's always nice to see your friendly faces. And I know people who live in Atlanta, and it really does feel like a hometown race, especially with the multitudes of fans that are out there that are always cheering for us. I mean, the whole course is lined. How can you not love that? Yeah, it, it really is a, an incredible thing to see. And what's amazing about those fans is they're out there for you who's up front, but they're, they're also still out there when the final waves come through. So it's really a race that's, in, that's embraced like like no other that I've ever seen. We've talked a lot on this podcast about the traditions, and, and I'm wondering if when you crossed the finish line, did you cross before we started handing out the finishers t-shirts, or do you have that coveted finisher shirt from 2014 and 2015? Oh, I've got that coveted finisher t-shirt. Uh, I remember that it was, you guys have it in the uh, newspaper the, uh, the week, day before, I'm not sure exactly when, and it's going to be one of those six, I believe. One of five. Uh, yeah. I really liked mine. It, uh, it had a very nice big peach on it, mm-hmm. and I also really liked the, uh, or at least at one point, you guys were handing out um, crystal peaches to the finishers, and I've got two of those on my bookshelf right now. Yep, I believe that was actually from that tradition 2011 when mm-hmm. I ran it. So how many times have you run total? How many times have you been, have you been here for Peachtree? I believe it was three times total I've run the race, and I'm happy to make it a fourth coming up. Besides the U.S. Championship being here, and we've, we've talked about a lot of things, but what, what else brings you back? Is it, is it fall at a spot in your racing schedule that just really works out for you? Yes and no. So yesterday was my first day coming uh, off of a break, and so the race is in five weeks, I believe. Mm-hmm. So while that's a very quick turnaround, that also gives me focus very early in my season and it gives me a sense of urgency. So it precludes me from being complacent at the start of my season. So I know that in five weeks, I've got to be in tip-top racing form. So it really makes every run important to me that I'm focused and ready to go each day. So while it's not at the end of the season where I'm super peaked for the race, 
it's very helpful and I will be putting out my best on race day because I know the tradition of the race and how hard it's going to be to win. Looking at your 2016 uh, season, uh, the casual observer might say that it was a, a smashing success winning the U.S. champs in the half marathon and the 25K. 2017 off to a good start. I know it's only f- five weeks, but are you still feeling that tip-top shape that you've been feeling now? It seems like for a, g- a good year and a half. Oh, absolutely. Uh, The fewer disruptions you have in training, be that sickness, illness, what have you, the easier it is to roll one season into the next and build from the previous season into the next season. So when you see an athlete having success time and time again on the roads, you know that they're going to keep having success in the future because all that training is just rolling into the next season. And when you take downtime as planned instead of, oh, I need to take downtime because of an injury, you know it's going to be very easy to start up again and to roll that into future success. So I had to take downtime because I had been uh, running for six straight months. I've been training ever since the New York Marathon in the fall. So that's um, just productive time, actually. Uh, not running is productive time for me because my body just needed to recover. And so I'm I'm rested and ready to get back at it again. So with, with five weeks, and, and this is actually going to air uh, three weeks before the race, but we're recording this five weeks before the race. Th- that short buildup, give me a, give me a, just an example of, of what a 10K workout will be that you'll do uh, to sort of cram that in a short period of time. Well, uh, one workout I did in previous years, I would want to say it was maybe two weeks out from the race or so, was six times a mile. I did the first three in trainers, the last three in flats, started, and I want to say I had about three minutes rest in between, and that's light jogging, changing the flats, whatever you choose. Mm -hmm. I started in the low 430, so maybe 431, 433. And then when I changed into flats, uh, just that change alone usually gives me about a five-second bump per mile. So my last three, I want to say, started at around 426 and worked down to 423 or so. And this is on a track. Right. That was and that's, yeah, I, I want that rhythm. Uh, right. it's, it's a little bit of a crutch, but it's also necessary that early on in my training cycle just to make sure that I can get feedback every 400 and make sure I'm on pace and that I've got my body isn't quite used to feeling in tempos of those paces yet in that training cycle. So that workout um, simulates what is expected of me in the 10K pretty well because you put all those times together and that's right around 28 minutes, which I know I'm going to be running slightly slower because it's not the flattest course in Atlanta. However, there are no flat courses uh, in Atlanta. Just (laughs) do not exist unless they're on the track. Yeah. Unlike Charlotte, where the cross country course is at the only flat place in Charlotte. So when I moved here, I'm like, Hey, great. I've run at this course in Charlotte. It's Mm -hmm. nice and flat. I love flat. Charlotte's going to be fantastic. No, it's just as Yes, this mm-hmm. is McAlpine, and it's just as rolling as as Atlanta. Um, hey, so you've got a lot of range. As you mentioned, you ran the New York City Marathon this past fall on, on a day where conditions weren't uh, ideal, but you've also won the half marathon championships. You hold the American record in the 25K. What's the sweet spot for you? Sweet spot for me is probably somewhere between nine miles and 15 miles, which mm-hmm. the 25K is 15 and a half miles. Mm-hmm something where you're out there for a little while, you can't see the finish and you've got to work hard through the middle portions. 
However, I can't say the marathon's in my sweet spot because I just haven't figured it out yet. And well, that's what this fall is for. Do you have so a fall marathon picked out yet or are you still waiting on that decision? I do not. It's something I'm working on currently and I hope to have resolved in the next month or so. But I'm looking at something somewhere between October and December and I'm starting training and well, the first couple of weeks aren't marathon specific anyway, so it's not a big deal. And the 10K race in July plays really well then into that fall marathon program. Yeah, just getting on the roads early and often is what I enjoy. And the biggest part that it's going to play in my training is, as I said before, just getting me focused very early on, getting me race ready uh, a lot sooner than if I didn't have a race for three months where I could say, hey, I'm just going to kind of lollygag the first month and then I'll, I'll really get serious. Having that first race five weeks out there means I've got to get serious now. I've got to get focused and I've got to get back into it. One, one last question before you, when you step up to the starting line, are you uh, are you going with your own strategy or are you going with the pack? Uh, I think in most races, 10K is a little on the shorter side for the roads. If you go out there in front and you're not capable of completely running away from the field, then you are doing the pack a huge favor. So you probably won't see me in the front of the race till the end, hopefully. Christo Landry is the 2014 AJC Peachtree Road Race champion and potentially the 2017 AJC Peachtree Road Race champion. Christo, thanks for uh, taking the time out of training to talk to us today. Well, thanks for giving me a call. It's always a pleasure to talk with you guys. All right, we'll see you soon. Big Peach Running Company is proud to be the exclusive run specialty store of the AJC Peachtree Road Race, which means you'll find all of the official licensed AJC Peachtree Road Race gear, including the limited edition Peachtree Wave Rider 20 at all seven Big Peach Running Company locations. Big Peach Running Company carries a wide range of footwear, apparel, and accessories from the leading manufacturers, including Mizuno, to meet all your running and fitness needs. As part of its award-winning fit process, Big Peach Running Company offers a free video gait analysis to make sure you get not only a good shoe, but the right shoe. Big Peach Running Company is open seven days a week with locations in Alpharetta, Brookhaven, Decatur, Kennesaw, Midtown, Marietta, and Sewanee. And not only do they offer the best service and selection, but their fun, friendly staff are dedicated to making sure your best miles are those covered on foot. Well, I think we have to take advantage of all the big names that we have on the show today and actually get some training tips for our 60,000 runners, Jay. And uh, we're joined actually by two of them. They're coming to us from Flagstaff, though, right? Yeah, they're in Flagstaff, but they are members of Atlanta Track Club's elite team. We have Bridget Lyons and Carabella Rasa at training camp in Flagstaff, and and they're there to do altitude training. And uh, Bridget and Carabella, thanks for joining us before your run this morning. You're welcome. You're welcome. Explain to our listeners, because we have so many, we have a wide range of people listening who some of are you know, going to be in that wave A with you guys and some are going to be you know, back a little further. Explain the, the reason behind altitude training and why you guys are in Flagstaff to prepare for, for this race and for your summer season. Well, going to altitude for one gives us a nice break of or a block of training away from um, our normal lives of work and everything like that just to be with our team. But it also helps us with um, like the altitude gives us a chance to make more oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> so when we get down to sea level, it's 
it feels a little bit easier. And uh, is there anything that we can do? Not all of us can make a trip out to Flagstaff, guys, but I think you do bring up an important point. Shaking up the training, is that a good thing for average runners to try to do? Oh, yeah. You know, the monotony of training can get um, a little old, a little bit tiresome. So having a, a different block every now and then is beneficial, I think. Well, as elite runners, how do you prepare for the heat in this race? Obviously, you're in Flagstaff right now, so that's a good start. But uh, when it comes to actually preparing for the heat and the humidity and all that, you know, that Atlanta weather is in July, how do you prepare as elite runners for that? <laughs> um, trying to get Kirabel's input on this, too, because I hate the heat. But <laughs> I, I mean, it's tough. I run early in the morning. Um, to try and avoid the heat but here we are trying to practice more at a time when we'll be like race temperature you both are, are coming off or are in the midst of a, of, a, of a track season where you've run 10k on the on the track and and i know uh you both run 5k on the track what's the difference when you're training for 10k on the track and what's the difference between training for 25 laps around a 400 meter oval compared to 6.2 miles on the roads so the difference between uh, there's completely uh, two different things on those uh, races like um, so when I was I was actually in Ethiopia training three months ago and I was training a lot on a road and I, I came back really fit and uh, I did I did well those three races like Boston 5k the Gate River so like uh, I wasn't running on the track but <laughs> Definitely, I learned my lesson, like, to be able to run on the track, uh, you know, well, you got to be practice well on the track. Uh, so the difference is just, like, you know, to do well on the track, you have to stay on the track for maybe four months training. And uh, so Peyton Jordan, for me, um, I really, after 5K, I didn't do well. I blew up the last 5K. The track feels very, like, weird and also, like, it's like 25 laps so mentally physically you have to be very strong but on the road you just just cruise and you know it's like turn left go straight like there's no laps that you can see so there's a lot of difference hey, we're talking today with Kirabella Rasa and Bridget Lyons both members of Atlanta Track Club Elite uh, Rasa just ran 1336 for 5k this spring a, a season's best but he's run 1330 he ran in the US Olympic trials at 5k last year Bridget Lyons, a runner with a lot of range, she ran in the U.S. Olympic Trials in the marathon last year. Uh, both really accomplished athletes, and we're going to see them on the starting line on July 4th, contending for the U.S. 10K championships. So I imagine that, that this is a race that's on your calendar, Kirabel, that, that you've been looking forward to all season. Yeah, yeah, Peachtree, I've been looking forward uh, to that race uh, because, you know, Peachtree is one of the biggest races in the world, and uh I think I'm going to do well based on, you know, I, I train a lot past three months on, on the road. So I think I think I'm going to do well. You both do the bulk of your training in Atlanta. You're used to the conditions. You're used to the topography. Is there a home field advantage when you guys step on the starting line on July 4th with the best distance runners in America? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel like we both know that Peachtree route. Um, very well. Um, we both do Peachtree in training, and I've run that route many times with in-training participants, and um, I know all of them, and I know that they will all be there. So that gives you like people, more people in your corner, you know, cheering for you. So it's it's definitely a home field advantage. 
Well, any suggestions that uh, you guys have for us mere mortals who are trying to attack those hills on this course? Uh, how do you approach Cardiac Hill and all the other inclines and how do you do that successfully? Well, the first half is downhill. Um, and then, you know, after 5K and it's, when you're in a 10K, you're already tired. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's when you start to go up those hills. I think the best advice is just to use that downhill, but don't go out way too fast. Okay. Because <laughs> you'll, you'll need a little bit of energy to get up the hills. Yeah, that's pretty easy to do. But uh, I also wonder <laughs> about you guys as elite runners. I'm sure you go through the same kinds of aches and pains that a lot of us do as runners. Right now, for a lot of people, you're, you're probably a couple months into the training or at least several weeks into the training for Peachtree. How do you know whether to power through an injury or give your body time to rest? Do you have kind of a scale that you use for yourselves? You know... I know it's tough to stay consistent uh, throughout the year, especially you know when you're getting close to uh, big races. Um, obviously, you know as an athlete, you're going to face those little minors uh, aches and pain. But at the same time, it's good to you know get massage, uh, ice baths, stretch. Sometimes you know you just want to be done, start taking the time off. But um, you have to stay mentally strong and push hard even if it's your last race I think you bring up a good point, Kirbel, that it's a lot more at the, at your level. It's a lot more than just going out and, and getting your run in. There are a number of ancillary things you have to do to, to stay strong and to stay fit. Can you walk me through it? You're at this all-intensive training camp in Flagstaff right now. Can you walk me through a typical day? Oh, man, typical day. Actually, it was on Sunday. Uh, I, I did a 20-mile long run. Wow. And uh, on the way out, I started going like my teammate, Rob Mullet. He told us, you know, on the way back, you guys uh, take it easy because it, it won't be easy. So make sure you go easy out and come back and run faster. So I felt good at the start <laughs> and I started going like 545s and uh, through 10 miles out. And coming back was, it was rough. To be honest, that last mile, I was just done. Like I was on 19 miles. I had one mile to go. I was like, I was waiting somebody even to give me water. Like, you know, that the place we ran was uh, Woody Mountain Road and uh, people drive a lot. So I asked for a cup of water. But <laughs> I've run that road. It's not flat. <laughs> no, it's not. It's difficult and at altitude. And like Kirbal said, very hilly. I turned around early. So and yeah, what's so the tough. elevation? Where are you at, at eight, nine thousand feet? I mean, it's it's not insignificant. I think we're at 7,500 feet. Okay, yeah. If folks want to follow along and, and watch our elite team as they're out in Flagstaff, they actually have a, a, an Instagram account. Kirabelle, I saw the picture of you post-run uh, on the Instagram account. It's at Atlanta Track Club Elite, and, and Kirabelle looked looked pretty tired. But all of, the, all of these really hard runs, all of these redlining uh, kind of workouts, that really prepares you for, for a tough 10K. Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, one thing that, you know, motivates me um, to train in altitude is just not just you train in altitude, just mentally. Like, you feel like, you know, you did something to your body. So you feel like, okay, when I go to the sea level, I'm going to feel easy. Like, so altitude is, number one, it's, you know, life is all mental things. So, okay, I'm going to breathe easy on the sea level. So that's like an advantage for me to do well. That's the main thing. You know, life's all about mental. Well, we're going to let you go and, and get your running, but real quick, what's today's workout? We all have a mix of things. I'm doing some hills and flat 200s. I think you're both doing the same. Yeah, we're doing I'm hills. Doing the same. Um, some of the mid-distance people are doing a 500 time trial. 
and some other breakdowns on the track. But we're going to the track today. Great. Well, we look forward to seeing you in an Atlanta Track Club singlet on the starting line on July 4th. Bridget Kierbel, thanks for joining us. Yay, thank you. Thank you. Well, we invite you back next week here on the Peachtree Podcast. Jay, we're actually going to have a mile-by-mile strategy breakdown with one of your great Atlanta Track Club coaches, right? Yeah, 10K is a long way, 6.2 miles, but each mile has its own importance. What you're doing in mile one is vastly different than what you need to be doing in mile six. So knowing that strategy, breaking it up into six segments, one, it makes the race a lot easier, I think, to break down in most people's heads, but it also, it gives you kind of a sense of of what should be happening each chunk of the time that you're out on that course. Also, what is it like to hand out water to 60,000 runners, the people that we appreciate? We're going to hear from some of the volunteers next week, and you'll do a lot of different different things with Atlanta Track Club. That includes Kilometer Kids. And we're going to talk more about a special challenge too next week. Yeah, one of the things that's been a tradition at this race is the Kilometer Kids Charity Chase. And in the past two years, we've had the military teams race against each other to see who could raise the most money for, for Kilometer Kids, which is Atlanta Track Club's free youth running program. And the military teams will still be racing this year, but we're going to try something a little different for the charity chase. It involves treadmills, it involves running for 48 hours straight, huh. uh, and it involves restoring part of Atlanta's Olympic history. Looking forward to that next week here on the show. And one of the coolest moments of the AJC Peachtree Road Race every year is watching those wheelchair racers take off at the starting line. They get the early starts and we're going to have more on that next week this, too, Jay. This is a premier race on the, on the wheeler circuit. I mean, it is one of the biggest races that they do all year and we really get the biggest stars here, Olympic champions, world marathon champions. Uh, and the, the field is the best of the best. So we're going to talk to the person who assembles that field and, and one of the competitors in that race this year. More inspiration for you coming up right here next week. Join us again on the Peachtree Podcast. You've been listening to the Peachtree Podcast, the official podcast of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Thanks to this week's sponsors, The Home Depot, Coca-Cola, and Big Peach Running Company. For more information, visit atlantatrackclub.org. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ATL Track Club.